0: you a thumbs up? Oh, okay. Thumbs up. Are we ready to start this morning? All right. Hopefully you guys will be a little more energized after this first song, but stand and sing with us. We're going to open our service with trading my sorrows. Oh yeah, we have a drummer. So things will be a slight bit louder this morning. So we hope that you guys will be a slight bit louder this morning as well. Let's sing. Here we go. Beyond the curse, for His promise will endure. This joy is gonna be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for the night, this joy comes with the morning. And I'm trading my sorrow, and I'm trading my shame,
1: and I'm
0: laying it down for the joy of the Lord. In my pain, and I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. We say yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Come on, yes. Lord,
2: Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, I just praise your name for who and what you are, for a great Sunday school class already this morning, uh, for the praise team behind me, bringing Benny, uh, him feeling well and able to play with him this morning as well. God, there's just so much to be thankful for in your house. Thank you for giving us a place out of the the humidity and out of the damp, and just to be able to come in and, and sing and praise your name for who and what you are. So, God, I just pray your will to be done here today. And if there's someone here, Lord, that has never bowed that knee, if there's someone here today that has never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, may this be the day that they make that right, Father. May they choose life over death. And, God, for those that aren't able to be here today, for whatever the reason, wherever they may be, may you touch them. May you let them know that you're you're God here and there at the same time. Wherever they are, Lord, I just pray your will to be done in their lives and let them know that we miss them. Father, bless this is the opportunity to worship you, and may you be able to sit back in heaven today and sit back on your throne and say, those are my people in Sutherland Springs worshiping me. Lord, may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Guys, it's good seeing all you guys this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of y'all that are here, and, and praise God. It's going to be a good day in God's house. Amen? amen? Amen. Walk around a second. Shake somebody's hand. Give them a hug. Let them know it's good to see them in God's house today. There was a time
3: on earth when in the books of heaven an old account was standing for sins yet unforgiven. My name was at the top and many things below. But I went up to the keeper and I settled in long ago. Long ago. Long ago. I settled Yeah, the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away And the old account was settled long ago The old account was large And growing every day Cause I was always sinning And I never stopped to pray but when I looked ahead and saw such pain and woe Well, I went up to the keeper and I settled it long ago Long ago, down on my knees, long ago I settled it all the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away and the old account was settled long ago. Oh, sinners, seek the Lord, be cleansed of all your sin. For this he has commanded if you would enter in, and then if you should live a hundred years below, where well, you know you got it settled, cause you settled it long ago. I Yeah, the old account was settled long ago And the record's clear today For he washed my sins away And the old account was settled long ago As you take your seats Long ago Long ago I settled it Yes, the old account was settled long ago the record's clear today, for he washed my sins away, In the old account
2: was settled long ago. Amen. Thank you, guys. Okay, we got a few announcements this morning I want to make sure to touch on. Um, I got a text this morning. So let me just call attention to this real quick. If you're looking at the boards, it looks like we had a great week on tithing last week. That was the text I got, but I just was told that, the, that we had wrong dates or something. So that wasn't as good a week last week. I was all praising God as I was putting it on there. Okay, well, I'm confused, so we're just going to go on. <laughs> I just put on what I'm told. <laughs> Anyway, so praise the Lord. We did have a good week, so I'll leave it at that. But moving on with the rest of the announcements, um, speaking of a miraculous event, the it is great to see how God works. If you had, went and visited Miss Diane last week or earlier, in this week even, it, was, um, it looked like it was in a pretty dire situation with Miss Diane. However, at this point, she is not only back to herself, she's laughing and smiling and, and just an incredible work of the Lord. Amen. So praise the Lord. Give God the glory for that. Amen. They have moved her now from the hospital. She is in the nursing home in Lavernia, and she said to let everybody know she's there and that if she is will try to recognize everyone now. She said to come on by and visit her. So she's at the home there in Lavernia. If you want to go by and see her. Uh, a few other things I want to point out. Churchwide Workday is next Saturday. Now, we've been promoting this for the last few weeks because we'd like this to be a, a large turnout. We've got a load of sand coming to build the Gaga Pit. We've got a few other things we want to do. Uh, there's some uh, big projects, and it's, and it's just regular spring cleaning. So there's a lot going on next Saturday. If you can come up for for the day, would be great, but even for an hour or two to help out where you can, that would be much appreciated. So next Saturday... Starting at 9 o'clock, I believe it is, yes, 9 a.m., and what, there's going to be lunch there provided. It's a great time of fellowship, great time just to get together and have a good time and work at God's house as well. Now, we start promoting this early so that hopefully everyone could mark that on their calendar, and the more we get here, the faster we can get done and the, the more fun we can have in doing it. If there's only two or three of us that come, it's going to be a long day. We'll still have fun doing God's will, but it's also a lot better if brothers and sisters can lock arms and work together. Let's build that wall, as Jeremiah would say. Let's come back and take care of the house. Let's, let's take care of God's house and do what he's called us to do. Amen? Then the church-wide camp out, uh, believe it or not, there's still 10. Or I was, last time someone looked, it was Friday, I think it was, but I was told there were still 10 campsites available. So if you're still wanting to get a site out there, you want to camp out a few days, uh, some are going to be there the whole week prior to the actual weekend some uh, wednesday and on but there's going to be folks there all that week if you'd like to go and it's just t- a way to go and hang out and fellowship and such i would encourage you to get your camp spot and, and, and get, get in there and get it reserved now the i was talking to the park ranger friday and she said that the uh, they are also going to they're building a floating deck they're going to put out in the middle of the lake so that you can swim out to the deck and hang out on the deck and dive off the deck and swim back so they they're adding stuff all the time. It's, it's, going, it's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a, a great time to go out there. So I encourage you to go. And last but not least, oh, and also with that, let me say this. If you're not camping out, but you want to come to the church uh, event, if you want to come to dinner Saturday night, and uh, you can do so. And then the church event is going to be that Sunday morning at the refractory. It's a, it's a beautiful building built in 1899 and 19, between 1899 and 1901. And it's got the the patio goes looking over the, the river. That's where we're going to have church services that morning. So if you'd like to come and be a part of that, please feel free to do so too. You don't have to camp out to come and be a part. If you're not coming, that doesn't mean stay home. We'll still have church here as well. So those that want to come and, and be a part of the church service here, please do so. And then those that want to go out there we will be out there too. Uh, and then last but not least is the ladies' retreat. We've been promoting that as well. We need to get a, a solid name Uh, count as to how many rooms to reserve and things of that nature sign up sheets on the back and as sherry shared with you guys earlier seven dollars a week would save up the money to go and it'd be an incredible experience for you i believe i think that's enough announcements oh no did i announce the meeting wow (laughs) immediately following the service today we have a vacation bible school meeting so anyone that was is interested in helping with vacation bible school you may say, well, I'm not a teacher. There's craft things. There's feed things. There's, there's all kinds of different things you can do to help out Vacation Bible School. You may want to come just to put a leash on the end and hold her in check out here or something. <laughs> there's no volunteers for that. <laughs> No, we would, ki- ki- we would love you is why we would put a leash on you. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Her idea was the shock collar, not mine, but I'll go with it. <laughs> anyway, it, whatever it is, the Lord may lay on your heart. You may say, I can only come a few days. That's okay. Come to the meeting. Let's talk about it. See what the theme is. Let's talk about what's going on. That's immediately following the service today. The ladies have made sandwiches and, and such next door, so there's going to be lunch as well. If you'd like to be a part of Vacation Bible School, which is our greatest outreach, remember too at Vacation Bible School as you're praying for the Vacation Bible School. It's not just about the kids. If, we can, if, if God can use us to touch the lives of those children and the children go home and touch the lives of their parents, who may touch the lives of their siblings and their parents, how many generations and how large of a family group can be touched by God because we're doing what God's called us to do? So I want to encourage you, if God's laid it on your heart to come and be a part of our Vacation Bible School, we always have a great week. It's a tiring week. However, we usually run between 40 and 60 kids. Is that about right? Between 40 and 60 kids. That's a lot of little lives that may never come to church any other time but that one week. This is the opportunity that God's given us to be hands and feet, to be his ministers into those young lives. So I want to encourage you, if you've never been a part, come and Nothing else. Just work with with inn and Carly out the snacks or something. Just to watch, do something, but but come and be a part of what God would have you to do. Amen. All right, Brian, you want to come up? You got our scripture reading this morning. That's the quietest I've ever heard them.
1: Oh,
2: <laughs> Yeah, Lord, I just come before you and lift up my brother, and I thank you for his willingness to come up and share with us today. And, and God, I thank you for his input in Sunday school earlier, but you're going to use him now in an even mightier way as you speak your words through him. May we hear you, and may you bless him and his family for his willingness. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, amen, you. brother. Something
1: else about the camp, I don't know if they said it yet. Yeah. If they did, they probably didn't say it good enough, so I'll say it again. The The, uh, the state park, uh, I asked him when I was there, you do not have to have a license to fish in a state park. Right. So take your fishing stuff. You can uh, you can fish that week without a license, Amen. and without the fear of getting a ticket for not having a license. I mean, you can fish any time without a license technically <laughs> anywhere, but you're going to get a ticket. You won't get a ticket at the park. That's what I'm trying to say.
2: And they rent kayaks to fish out of.
1: They rent them. the the The, the rent is kind of expensive. If you have something that floats that you want to bring even an inner tube or something. They said that we can leave them at the lake if we want to, um, you know, tie them up or whatever we want to do. So, sounds like fun. It's a neat place, neat place. Okay, to the, to the scripture reading. I'm going to be reading out of uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour r- wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, He gave up his spirit. Um, To put it into what was going on, this was at the crucifixion. Jesus was on the cross. He said, I thirst, or I'm thirsty. We don't really know what he thirsted for. I I don't know if he wanted water or if his soul thirsted. Um, I I don't really know, but at any rate, he thirsted. They gave him some sour wine. And when he, which wasn't really, I don't know if it was something he would have wanted or not, but when he received it, that's the important part. uh, He said, it is finished. You know, Jesus, uh, up to this point, even after this point, he didn't like a lot of the politicians that we have now. When Jesus said he was going to do something or said he did something, It was going to happen, or it did happen. Um, Jesus is perfect in that way. He's perfect in every way, but in that way, he's perfect. Uh, Look for that in a politician, too. Look for one that that does what he says. (laughs) Jesus did what he said. He does what he said. He does everything he promised. He also promised that he stands at the door and knocks and he promised he's coming back. So if you believe all of this, what would keep you from receiving Jesus? And that, that, that's really all I've got to say today. I don't know why God put that on my heart, but he put it on my heart. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you for the perfect sacrifice and for letting us come to your house and worship you today, God. And to have fellowship with one another and to learn from your perfect word, Lord. And I just pray that you bless everything said today, God. Bless the fellowship. Bless the everything that's sung today, Lord. And I pray that you just guide us. You pour the Holy Spirit out on us, God. And let us all uh, feel the Spirit uh, as it's in us, Lord. And... Uh, Forgive us when we do fall short of your perfect will. I pray these things in the holy, precious, sweet name of Jesus. Amen.
4: Bless the Lord. Psalms 98 says, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And today we're going to sing a new song. I thought we were going to do it as a special, but Chris wanted to do it as part of the, um, the song set. So, um, and it's interesting that Pastor said that we need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, referring to Bible school. This song's called Hands and Feet, and it's a song that the Lord gave me. I was, I was feeling convicted about um, sometimes it's hard to actually um, go into the workplace and talk about Jesus because you really get um, sanctioned by your coworkers and by the company. And um, I was thinking about that, and I was praying to God about it. And uh, it was almost like I heard this voice saying, Are they throwing you to the lions, Bob? Are they throwing your kids to the lion? Are they sawing you in half in a log? Are they hanging you on a cross upside down? And um, it made me think about that a lot. And uh, the Lord gave me this song. I hope it's a blessing to you. It's, uh, it's been a blessing to us as a praise team. So we're going to lift the Lord up and praise together. And it's kind of an easy tune, so once you get the, the tune, go ahead and sing along with us. And we'll, Chris said we're going to try to do it a couple weeks so we get it down. <laughs> Bless the Lord.
3: I can praise you with a fast, fast song And I can worship kind of slow Let my praises go on and on Hoping all the world will know Of the wondrous things you've done And the gift of love you gave When you sent to us your only son Curse and death in the grave But the highest praise I'll bring Is what my heart would have to say When I worship you with everything I put you first in every way Lord, take my life and help me be More like you and less like me Lord, take my life and help me be More like you and less like me Let my word be more than words, words, words Let my works be more than deeds Open my eyes to see the hurt, hurt, hurt I my heart to feel the me Won't leave it at the church, church, church Help me to take it to the street Don't let me shy away from the work, work, work Help me be your hands and feet I can sing your praise up high And I can take it when I'm low But I know that if my heart's not right And my praise is just for show So I'm asking you to change my heart Lord, to make it ever true Cause I wanna make a brand new start Devote my life my all to you Lord, take my life and help me be More like you and less like me Take my life and help me be More like you and less like me Let my praise be more than words, words, words Let my works be more than deeds Open my eyes to see The hurt, hurt, hurt And want my heart to be the need Won't oh, leave it at the church, church, church me to take it to the street. Don't let me shy away from the work, work, work. Let me be your hand to you. Let my praise be more than words, words, words. Let my works be more than be. Open my eyes to see the hurt, hurt, hurt. and know my heart just be to me. Won't leave it at the church, church, church. Help me to take it to the street Don't let me shy away from the work, work, work Help me be your hands in feet. Don't let me shy away from the work, work, work Help me be your hands in feet.
0: song is a lot of fun to play. We just made it up. (laughs) All right. The song is called In the Secret. This To sing your song again, whatever may pass and whatever last before me let me sing. Thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Your holy name.
2: Father God, I pray this morning that we do truly come and worship your holy name together in one accord, in unity. May you be God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was awesome, guys, as always. It's good having you back back there, Benny. And how often do you write songs, Bob? One a week? (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Revelations chapter 2. Yep, I'm about to explode back here. As long as it's not that long black train, we're good. (laughs) All right. Actually, just put your finger in Revelations chapter 2. Turn, actually, to 1 Kings chapter 16. We're going to have a lot of scriptures this morning. In fact, I, uh, this is one of those times I gave a list to the sound box back there so they can call them up. However, it'd be good if you was to turn to them or at least write these down so you can go back and maybe remind yourselves of the story later. But I want us to look at a passage today, a life if you will, uh, that, that where we should learn a lesson, where we can glean a lesson. So we're going to begin in 1 Kings chapter 16, and and this person we're going to look at their life today, I think not only should teach us and help us to understand an important uh, asset or an important element of what Christianity is in our own lives, but also that this element of Christianity is pertinent to all those around us as well. It doesn't just apply to us, though it is important that we understand it. We also need to incorporate in our lives when we look at other people. So we're going to look at some illustrations in someone's life here in, in 1 Kings and try to glean from it what the Lord would have us to glean from this, this life. Now the story, we're going to, the person we're going to be looking at this morning is Jezebel. Now I think we've all heard the name at one point or another, but have we really looked at her story? And I would say and submit to you this morning that the story of Jezebel is something that could have came right out of Hollywood today. That you could make an incredible movie out of, out of her life. Her sins not only would captivate the people, but even her gory demise. I had someone this morning just mention that that's their, one of the most interesting points of the Bible in their life. Uh, not in their life. It's one of the important parts of the Bible to them. They like the story, okay? Anyway, the the way, and we're going to look at that in just a little bit at her demise, but we're going to look at her life up to her demise as well. And and all throughout her life would make an incredible Hollywood movie, I believe. But it would also, if we really read it, I think it should teach us something this morning, something that that we need to understand. There is no denying, first of all, about Jezebel. There is absolutely no denying the fact that she was a woman who did a a lot of wicked things. She did many wicked things. In fact, if you look her name up in the dictionary, it says impudent, shameless, morally unrestrained woman. If you look her up in the thesaurus, it says hussy, jaded, slut, tramp, wench. And then I even looked her up. If you look her up in a book of baby names, in the book of baby names, it says impure follower of idols. Now, why would someone name their baby that enough to put it in the book of baby names? I have no idea. But it's there. It says impure and follower of idols. So when you look at these different uh, annotations of her name, you can't help but stop and think, what a way to be remembered. That's what her name, that's the images that sh- her name conjures up throughout history. That's the way we look back at her. and we- that, that, that is a, a, an in- incredibly ugly way to be remembered, but yet she brought this onto herself. So it's no wonder that she now lies in the devil's hell, that she has to partake of the devil's hell and the things that he has in store for her. But I have to wonder, and I I, I think this is where the lesson comes in sometimes. We wonder oftentimes about people. What what is it in their lives? What sin actually does them in? What sin in Jezebel's life sent her actually into this eternal torment. In 1 Kings chapter 16 is the first time we hear about her. So in 1 Kings chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verse 31. She is married to Ahab. Ahab is is the son of Omri. He did more evil in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the Lord, than any other king before him. Now, why is that? We're going to see that in just a little bit. But she is married to Ahab. This is the first time we hear about her here. So in 16, verse 31, it says this. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, there was a trivial matter, uh, excuse me, as if it were a trivial matter, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethel, king of Sidians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar to Baal in the temple of Baal that he built there in Samaria. He this This is a... Israelite, this is a Jewish king. This is the one that is leading God's people. He marries Jezebel, and so he turns and starts worshiping Baal and doesn't just start worshiping Baal, builds this temple to Baal and and, and builds it there, and also an Asherah pole. He he, he builds the the temple and puts an Asherah pole, and, and he builds all this in Samaria. He does more to provoke the Lord's anger the, the the God of Israel, now the God that he is supposed to be serving, the God who he has learned about for so long, he does more to provoke God's anger than all the kings of Israel before him, the scriptures say. He does this. He he, he turns to Baal and, and sets up disastrous poles, sets up this temple, and, and he is just incredibly angering God. Why would he set out on such a tangent? Why would Ahab, the one who was raised up as a king of God's people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, why would he do something so incredibly insane? Why would he step out on this tangent? He married Jezebel, who we're going to see in just a little bit in, in the rest of these passages, who came in, and she didn't just come in. She ruled the roost. She came in, and she took charge. And when she says, we're going to worship Baal, okay, we'll worship Baal. We're going to build an Asherah's pole. Okay, we'll build an Asherah's pole. Jezebel was from that country. Jezebel worshiped Baal. She worshiped Asherah. This was her gods. Yet Exodus we know, and, and so did Ahab know, And I would say that more than likely Jezebel had heard of it at one point or another, but she surely knew when she married into the Jewish family that Exodus 20, verse 3, says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But she did not care about that. She said, We are going to worship Baal, we're going to worship Esherah, and we're going to build a temple. What did Ahab do, the king of the Jewish people? Okay, dear. And he built the temple to Baal. He starts worshiping Baal. And she has pulled him, and now the king of God's people is worshiping a false god. The second time we read of her, uh, of Jezebel, is when she's trying to wipe out God's servants. Turn over just a little bit to 18. 18, verse 4. Jezebel is killing off the prophets of God now. First, she has him set up this temple for, and, and start worshiping Baal. But in chapter 18, verse 4, uh, let's go back to verse 3, the end of verse 2. The famine was severe in Samaria. Ahab called for Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace. Obadiah was a man who greatly feared the Lord and took a hundred prophets and hid them, 50 men to a cave, and provided them with food and water when Jezebel slaughtered the Lord's prophets. Again, we know that, that, that God says that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Jezebel does not care. She doesn't care about that. In fact, she says, I am going to not only worship other gods, I'm going to go and slay all those that are prophesying for you. I'm going to go and make sure that all these prophets of the the one true God, the God of Israel, I'm just going to kill them off. I'm going to take care of them. So I wonder, is Jezebel in hell for that reason? Is she in hell for breaking that commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then goes out and basically declares war on the prophets of Israel. That is heinous. That is bad. That is rough. But she does more than that. You see, Jezebel is also a murderer. Not only is she taking this religious war going on, not only is she wiping out the prophets of God, she says when she wants something, she's going to take it. Even though Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, another one of the commandments, thou shalt not murder. Does it matter to her? She doesn't care about the God of Israel. Why should she care about his laws? Even though it says very explicitly, and Ahab knows it says explicitly, Thou shalt not murder. Turn to, to chapter 21, just a few more pages over. In chapter 21, starting in verse 2, look what happens now. This is the story of Ahab and Naboth. It says So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard so I can have it for a vegetable garden. Since it is right next to my palace, I will give you a better vineyard in its place. Or if you prefer, I will give you its value in silver. But Naboth says to Ahab, I will never give my father's inheritance to you. So Ahab went to his palace resentful and angry because of what Naboth the Jezreelite had told him. He had said, I will not give you my father's inheritance. So he lays down on his bed, turns his face away, and didn't eat any food. Then his wife Jezebel came to him and said to him, Why are you so upset that you refuse to eat? Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, he replied. I told him, Give me your vineyard for silver, or if you wish, I will give you a vineyard in its place. But believe it or not, he said, I won't give you my vineyard. Then his wife Jezebel says to him, Well, now exercise your royal power over Israel. Get up, eat some food, and be happy, for I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She sent the letters to the elders and nobles who lived with Naboth in his city. In the letters she wrote, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people. Then seat two wicked men opposite him and have them testify against him, saying, You have cursed God and king. Then take him out and stone him to death. The men of the city, the elders and nobles who lived in the city, did as Jezebel had commanded them. And as was written in the letters she had sent them, They proclaimed the fast and seated Naboth at the head of the people. The two wicked men came in and sat opposite him. Then the wicked men testified against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has cursed God and king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. When Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, get up. Take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, who refused to give it to you for silver, since Naboth isn't alive, but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Here we have a king. He is supposed to be the king over the Jews, king over God's people indwelt by the very creator of the heavens and the earth. But what does he do when he sees something he wants? Does he pray about it? No. Does he ask God to deliver it? No. Does he ask God for de- the deliverance from the want, the care for it? No. Instead, he pouts like a little two-year-old, runs to his room, closes his arms and gets on his little bed and cries and says, I don't want to eat. And he pouts. This is the spoiled brat king that's sitting there. Why is he spoiled like this? Because the mama figure here, Je- Jezebel, comes in and she's ruling the roost. She takes over and she looks at him. And rather than telling him to get up and be a king because you are a king, she says, I'll get it for you. Now get up and do about your duties. Go go play play kingship while I run the roost here, while I run the, the territory. And how is she going to get it for him? Is she going to go and negotiate? Is she going to take care of matters? No, she murders She just she has no second thoughts about this. She just says, "Okay, I'll write some letters in the king's name, stamp them with the king's seal, just like I do everything else running the kingdom, and I will make sure to have him eliminated." So there is no doubt when the law says, "Thou shalt not murder," she cared not about what God's word had to say. Jezebel did not care that that he said, do not have any gods before me. She did not care about killing off the prophets of God, and she did not care about taking innocent blood either. If her husband, her king, wanted that vineyard, he'll have it. I'll just kill off the man who owns it. She was a murderer. So, if she she didn't care about God, she didn't care about the prophets, didn't care about shedding innocent blood, is that what got her into hell? Well, let me continue here. And say that not only is she a murderer, not only is she an idolater, but she's also just mean. She's a a, a a mean thief. If you go on with that story, there picking back up in verse 17, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite: Get up and go to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. <clears throat> Excuse me. You'll find him in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Notice that the king didn't even question. He got what he wants. He don't care how he got it. This is the king of Israel. The king that is supposed to be indwelt by the most high God. The king that should be looking to the creators of the heavens and the universe. He wanted something, couldn't have it. He pouted, and then then a figure gave it to him. He didn't question how. He just went and took possession of it. God says, I'm done with this. So he tells tells Elijah, go and, and, and get to him. Tell him this is what the Lord says. Have you murdered and also taken possession Then tell him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where the dogs lick up Naboth's blood, the dogs will also lick up your blood. Ahab said to Elijah, so you have caught me, my enemy. He replied, I have caught you because you devoted yourself to do what is evil in the Lord's sight. This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on you and will sweep away your descendants, and I will eliminate all of Ahab's males, both slave and free in Israel." I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, son of Ahijah, because you have provoked my anger and have caused Israel to sin. And the Lord also speaks of Jezebel. The dogs will eat Jezebel in the plot of land at Jezreel. He who belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, the dogs will eat, and he who dies in the field, the birds of the sky will eat still. There was no one like Ahab who devoted himself to do what was evil in the Lord's sight. Why? Because his wife Jezebel incited him. Look at the condemnation. Jezebel did not care. She didn't care about God. She didn't care about his prophets. She didn't care that she had to murder somebody to, to get a piece of land for, for her husband. She didn't care that she that had had her husband build this temple of Baal. She didn't care about the Asherah pole. She didn't care about what all these things that God said. And Ahab, rather than taking the lead and being the man of the home and the spiritual leader and the king of a people and saying, God, what would you have me to do, allowed himself to be incited by, Is- by Jezebel. Jezebel was calling the shots. Jezebel did not care about God and Ahab was not listening to anyone, but Jezebel. And in turn, what happens? Incredible condemnation. Not only has sentence been laid out for both Ahab and Jezebel, but many generations are going to be lost. Because of Jezreel, she has set Jezebel, she has set in motion the 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 the, the killing of an entire generation because she wanted to kill the prophets of God, because she wanted to steal, because she was a murderer. Entire generations that didn't even have much to do with it are going to be wiped from the face of the earth. She thought maybe she could get away with it. Maybe she didn't think the God of Israel was that strong. But God knew what was going on, and he pronounced sweeping penalties that was going to affect many people beyond Jezebel. But because she incited it all, Her name is the one that's recorded now in history. Even though there's an entire generation going to be lost, all the males of Ahab, even the slaves are going to be wiped out because Jezebel started all this trouble. She was mean. She was a thief. She was an idolater. She was a murderer. She didn't care about God at all. It is no wonder then that she sits in the devil's hell. If you remember, what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 18? Jezebel influenced others to sin, but Jesus said, it is, if anyone causes the least of these little ones to, to, to sin, it is better that a millstone be tied about their neck and they are thrown into the depths of the sea. Woe to the world. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, woe to the world because of the things that, 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 come, that, the things that people do to sin. Such things must come. Such things must come, but woe to the man who brings them. Woe to the man who brings them. Jezebel was the one who was inciting these sins. Jezebel was the one who was bringing that sin there. But Jesus said, such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. The woman through whom they come. Jezebel was doing these things. We shouldn't even have to question, why is she in a devil's hell? So is she in a devil's hell because she caused others to sin, because she's an idolater, because she's a murderer, because she's a thief, because she is mean. I mean, we have an incredible horrible list of sins here. Jezebel is, has got all this stuff laid out there. Her docket is full. It is heavy, it is long, and it is adding up. We can look at her life and all the incredibly horrible and horrific things that Jezebel has done. But let's look at what happens. God 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 sentences them if you will, and let's see if it comes to pass. Look at 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9 starting in verse 30. 2 Kings 9 starting verse 30. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard about it, so she painted her eyes adorned her head, looked down from the window. As Jehu entered the gate, she said, Do you come in peace, Zimri, killer of your master? He looked up toward the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked down at him, and he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses, and Jehu rode over her. Then he went in, ate and drank, and said, Take care of this cursed woman and bury her, since she's a king's daughter. But when they went out to bury her, they did not find anything but her skull, her feet and the palms of her hands. So they went back and told him, and he said, this fulfills the Lord's words that he spoke through his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the plot of the land at Jezreel, the dogs will eat Jezebel's flesh. Jezebel's corpse will be like manure on the surface of the field in the plot of land at Jezreel, so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. Not a very... Pleasant way to die, is it? Not a very pleasant way to be remembered. God issued a decree. God issued a judgment. And as Brian said a while ago, when God says something, it's going to happen. When God says this is the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be. There is no denying the things that Jezebel has done. There was no denying that she was putting other gods before the God, that she was an idolater. There's no denying that she was a murderer, though the law said, thou shalt not murder. There's no denying that she was inciting others to sin, though God said, woe to that one who brings that that sin to the people. There was no denying all the different sins and hatefulness and ugliness that Jezebel has put forward. So is which one of those, or is it all those, that causes Jezebel to now be in a devil's hell. I would submit to you this morning that as bad as her sins were, as bad as she was, that's not why she went to, to hell. We can look at the life of Jezebel and look at all this ugliness, all this corruptness, all this hatefulness, and yet it wasn't what she did that sent her to a devil's hell. It's what she did not. Look at Revelations chapter 2. In Revelations chapter 2, verse 20, starting in verse 20, it says, But I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality look i will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation and they lest they repent of her practices folks i would submit to you this morning that what god's saying there and he's using the name jezebel is counting back to the jezebel of old that we've been reading of yes she was an ugly person yes she was a murderer yes she was an idolater Yes, she had committed all these sins. Yes, she caused other people to sin. But God gave her time to repent, and she chose not to. That's why he made the sick bed for her. No matter how bad her sin may have been, God says, I gave her time to repent, but she chose not to. That is why Jezebel is in hell. not not because she was a murderer, not because she worshipped other gods, not because she was mean and a thief, not because she she ran the house instead of allowing Ahab to run the house, not because she was just mean and honoring to everyone. She's in a devil's hell because she chose not to repent of her sins. And because of that choice, we now know where Jezebel lies. And it says, all who partake of those sins and do not repent will reap the same reward that she was given. They will lie in the same bed that was made for her. The message is fairly simple this morning. We all have a challenge. We all have a choice that we need to make. We either reject Christ or we accept Christ. One or the other do you repent of the sins in your life or do you prefer to pretend and play church? That's where the question lies. Sin is sin. And as heinous and as ugly as those were in Jezebel, and we can look to the Ten Commandments and point out the ones she specifically broke just with what we know of in Scripture. But as of yet, God said, Whomsoever believes in me, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The question that comes forth now is, have you truly accepted Christ? Many people feel as though, well, I have been too bad. I have done too much in my life. I've got too many big sins in my life. I have been coming to church for 50 years. If I really repented now, I would have to, the, the church would know that I never truly was saved. Or if I repented now, they would realize that I really had actually backslid and I would have to change my life. I'd have to get my relationships back in order the way they're supposed to be. I'd have to get my finances back into the way they're supposed to be. I'd have to, to, to let go of the vices and, the, and these things if I truly repent that means I'm going to truly turn back to God. Let me tell you this morning, it may be hard to truly repent. It may be hard to clip those ties. It may be hard to break those relationships that you know are not godly. It may be hard to stand back into the presence of God. However, if you do so, you shall be saved. If you choose not and you choose to run with the spirit of Jezebel, you can't blame it on your sin. You can only blame it on the fact that you choose to turn your back on God. My God is big enough that regardless of what it is, it, with Jezebel, the spirit of Jezebel in Revelation, he says, I gave her time to repent. You look at Jezebel's life and you say, how could she ever repent from that? She could have or God wouldn't have given her time to do so. He gave her the time because regardless of how bad our sin is, he died on a cross and his blood is sufficient so that whomsoever believed in him, that he was the Son of God, born again and resurrected on that third day, can have everlasting life. Folks, there is no sin so big that it cannot be washed clean. Is it easy? Maybe not. The consequences of some of our actions are pretty large. But he's given you that opportunity to repent. It's your choice whether you choose to do so or not. And if you choose to not, what did he say? Then you'll lie in the same bed that was made for Jezebel. If you choose to, I go and prepare a place for you so that where I may be, you may be also. Hallelujah. So that when he comes, he'll draw us onto himself so that where he is, we may be there. Folks, he wants us to be there with him. He wants us to repent but it's our choice. If You're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He loves you. I don't care if you've been in church your whole life and you realize right now is the time it's time to repent. The repent of that relationship you know to be wrong. Repent of that that financial situation at work. Repent of that vice. Repent of whatever it is that God is drawing to your mind right now and say, Father, forgive me. And I choose to step forward today and get away from the powers of Jezebel. Now, the other aspect I would like to point out, if you're here this morning you do know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you feel as though you have repented, praise God. But now, let's quit looking down on those others that we think God can't save. Those that are caught in the addictions, those that are in the adulterous affairs, those that are caught in the the financial scandals, those that, that have have made the promises that they won't keep. You know, Brian was pointing out politicians earlier. But it's not just the politicians that fall into that. Those who who have done the wrong things, and you may stop and you say, well, you know, they're so far gone, there's no help for them. How many times have we turned a blind eye when God's actually saying, pray for that person? How many times have we said somebody's just too far gone when God's saying, I have died on the cross. If I can wash you, I can wash them. How many times have we gotten holier than thou, put our face into the front and say, well, you know, that one's too far gone, that one's a drunkard, that one's an adulterer, that one's this. Jezebel was a murderer, an idolater, uh, uh, just an evil person all the way around. Yet God said, I gave her time to repent. It's not up to you and I to cast judgment. It's up to you and I to share the word of God. It's up to you and I to recognize that regardless of that person that may just smell like urine and wine and just been down in the ditch for the last 15 months, God's given them time to repent. You know how I know? Because they're breathing. As long as there's breath in their body, they have the opportunity to repent. And who am I to walk by and not share the gospel? Who am I to walk by and shove them a little bit deeper in their sorrows? You may say, well, Frank, you're just being a bleeding heart up there. If that's what you want to call it, I'll say, my God had a bleeding heart on a cross, too, for him. I'm in good company. You can point fingers all you want. When I get to heaven, you'll be pointing at me standing before the Lord. And I hope to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Do I fail? Absolutely. Do I get angry? Absolutely. Do I do stupid things? Absolutely. I'm not standing here and trying to tell you that I'm some kind of of saint, well I am a saint in, in God's terminology but I, I I fail but as long as I take it and repent and say Father forgive me this is a day that the Lord hath made I shall rejoice and be glad in it and thank you that you accept me with all my faults and failures where are you this morning you may find that, you, that you're saved you've been running with the Lord but That spirit of Jezebel inciting you to go a pathway you don't want to go. What did it say there? That Jezebel incited them to do these things. She incited her husband to go so far. You may know the law of God. You may know who God is. He was a king of the Jewish people. He knew who God was. But he allowed Jezebel to incite him and pull him down. You this morning may know who Christ is and you're allowing the spirit of Jezebel to grab a hold of you. The grass looks greener on that side. Well, if I just say a few little lies, if I I paint over this, nobody will know it and I can sell it as new. Whatever it is, you know that God knows. Why not repent today? Don't allow the spirit of Jezebel to steal your joy and incite you to a point where you lie in the bed that she was made for her. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, I would say, why not? Why not make that decision today? And if you tell me, well, Pastor, you just don't know what I've done and where I've been. I've been into drugs. I've been to the self-mutilations. I've been into uh, uh, psychological and psychotic events. I've been into adulterous affairs. I've been into financial worries. I've been this, I've been that, and I've been that. You know, I don't need to know all that. Because you know why? My God already knows, and he said, I died for you. If You're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You can't. As Brian said, he stands at the door and knocks. If you will let him in, he said, I want to come in and dine with you. I want to fellowship with you. Will you allow him to do so today? And if you're here and you know who he is, and you maybe God brought somebody to mind that you blew off, maybe uh, somebody in your family, a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, that you thought they're just too far gone. God said of Jezebel, I gave her time to repent. Don't quit praying. Knock and the door shall be opened. Pray and unceasingly you have that child that loved one you just think when are they ever going to come back when are they going to find the lord keep praying keep praying don't ever think somebody's too far gone for as long as there's breath in their body he gave time for them to repent where are you this morning i want to lead us in a word of prayer you can pray right where you're at you can come to this altar and understand, this, this I'm, I'm going to call you out for a second, Lisa. I hope you don't mind. Like Lisa came up to the altar and during the praise worship, this altar is God's altar. It's not held together by an agenda. If you want to come to this altar at any time, you are allowed to do so. You want to pray where you're at; you're allowed to do so. If you want to go across an aisle and grab a brother or sister and pray with them, do what the Lord's leading you to do. But make this invitation this morning between you and God, not you and your spouse. Don't allow someone else to incite you to do something that's not of God. Don't pay attention. If Satan's uh, uh, pinching the little baby up front to get, make her to get your attention, don't pay attention to it. Listen to God. Where's God? As we pray, I want each one of us to individually think, Lord, what would you have me to do today? And he may say, pray for your brother, pray for your sister, pray for your wife. Pray for that boy across the hall, the aisle that you don't even know who he is. But do what God's laid on your heart to do today. Look up and let God be God in your life. Let's all stand. I want to lead us in a word of prayer. Father God, I just come before you right now, Lord, and I just thank you that we can look at these lives. I can look at Jezebel's life and, and realize as as rough as she was, a murderer, an idolater, a a, a mean, evil, thieving woman, you still gave her time to repent. You chose to give all of us time if we choose to use it. But Lord, we also see that if we choose not, that your promise will come true, that we will lie in the bed that you made for her. Help us to be buffered, away from that that incitement of Jezebel. May your will be done in the hearts of your people today, Lord God. And I pray that as we leave this place, we'll assess our lives and see if that spirit of Jezebel has gotten a hold of us one way or another. As you said there in Revelations 2, her spirit still tugs on people. May we expel it and may we fill ourselves with your Holy Spirit. May we not be drunk on the wine, but drunk on the spirit as we go forth from this place. May thy will be done in the hearts of your people. And Lord, again, I thank you for my salvation. I praise you for it. But there's someone here today that still has not surrendered their heart to you. Maybe someone listening on the radio or on the YouTube channel or by CD, whatever. If they are hearing my voice today, may they hear yours even louder. May they feel your presence, and may they repent and accept you before it's too late. God, may thy will be done, in Jesus' name, amen. As we sing this morning, if God's, if God's speaking to you, I want to encourage you to do what the Lord's leading you to do. Come to this altar, pray where you're at, I'll pray with you. Maybe it's just pray with a brother or sister, but whatever you do. Don't leave this place without asking the Lord to guide you as we sing, guys. Thank you.